you know, I find it interesting that we've been talking about the unseen realms and we've been speaking about stepping into the, you know, uh, even the biology of God and, and, you know, all those things that we've been, you know, really been able to tap into. But, but did you, the Lord began to speak to me this morning about even us stepping into the unseen realms and pulling from the unseen realms, did you know that if, that by us giving agreement to the things of the enemy, we literally pull from the unseen realms of the demonic. And I was like, well, how does that even work, Lord? Well, because, see, it all works about agreement. And the enemy is a counterfeit of everything God. So when we come to agreement with the things of the heavenlies, heaven becomes manifested, right? And what we speak becomes reality here on earth. So what happens is when we begin to pull on the unseen realms of the Lord, we begin to pull on the eternity realms. But when we go into the spirit and we speak the opposite of what the Lord is speaking, we begin to pull things from the unseen realm, but it's not the third heavens. It's that second heaven realm. And we give access to the enemy to come and plunder. We want to know why we're being tormented at night? Because we're pulling on things from the realm that we have no business touching. We're giving agreement to the lies and the whispers of the enemy, and we're giving it power. Come on, we're talking about the doors this morning. Some of us are trying to open up doors, and the Lord said, no, I shut that one. Some of us are trying to keep doors open that the Lord has been trying to shut for a long time. Holy Ghost. That's not my message this morning. <laughs> but you know, I think the Lord is wanting to get us to a reality, a, 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 a reality check to begin to function and to see how heaven sees and declares. You know, I... I and they keep pondering the thought, Lord, what does that look like when we're fully walking in the fullness of what you created and who you created us to be? What would that even look like? And I don't think we don't, I don't think we can have a grid of that yet. But I believe we are in a season of the Lord preparing us for preparing of that day where we're going to see the sons of God manifested here. It says that the that the earth is groaning for the sons of God. Well, this morning. I got some key scriptures we're going to be out of. And I guess if we can call, if I have a message for this morning, it's going to be the bold ones. I kind of felt like the Lord has really wanted me to jump into this whole fivefold and share some things. We might, we might, I, I don't want to use the word sermon series because for me, that just feels so programmed. You know, everybody, it's like, oh, we're starting a new sermon. No, I'm not. But I feel like we're going to jump into something new. And I feel like the Lord really wants to begin to define the fivefold and the offices of the government of heaven. To where we begin to talk about the, the evangelist and the prophet and the pastor, the teachers, the apostles. So this morning, I'm going to call this just maybe part one of I don't know how many of the evangelist. Because <laughs> who knows where that will go, right? Uh, the bold ones. The bold ones. So our key scriptures today are going to be out of Matthew 28, 19, and 20. If you're writing notes. Then we're also going to be out of Mark 16. And we're going to be in 15 and 17. And then we're going to be in Ephesians 4. 11 through 13, and then John 21, probably most of that chapter. And then we got a lot more scriptures. So I want to I I paint a picture, okay? We, we come to church every Sunday morning. We come to church every Thursday nights, right? And we, 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 we do what we know, like, like just... I want a picture in your picture in your mind. You come into church service, everybody's having in the cafe. We kind of go in there, we get our coffees, and hey, brother, hey, sister, how are you? Oh, the weather's you know whatever. We have our normal routines. Thursday nights, you know, same thing. 
You know, um, but what happens on the days that we were not at church? You know, uh, what, 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 what happens when we go home? What happens when we're just, are, are we still acting? You know, because on, on Sundays we act really, and I'm just going to say it. Listen, don't be offended. But we, we become really super spiritual on the weekends for church. You know, how are you? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. How are you? Oh, brother, the, the Lord is good. And amen. All the time. All the time. Yeah, that is good, right? We've got it down. We're, really, we're super spiritual on Sundays. And then we go back home. Actually, I'll, 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 we get in the car. Walking out the door, and we like, Put the key in, and then we're like, whew. <laughs> Transparency brings breakthrough, guys. Come on. Y'all are looking at me like, oh, boy. But we go back and we do our normal life that we think is normal, right? <laughs> is, our, is our everyday life evident to people that we don't know. You know, like when we go places and we're doing things, do people know who you are? Or do they only know you on a Sunday morning or, you know, Sunday night? I'm just, I'm just being honest, guys. Like, you know, do the people outside of the church and when I say church, I'm talking about the four walls right now because we are the church. But outside of the four walls of the facility, do they know or do they see Jesus in you? Do they see the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you? Listen, and these are questions that, you know, when I'm, when I'm getting ready to share my message, I'm like, I sit there in the morning with a blank screen, and I'm saying, Lord, what do you want to talk about this morning? That's it. It's like, I, 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 like Lord, give me, I, I need the cloud. I'm, you know, we, we have a saying in our, <laughs> we, we joke around at the house, like, you know, apparently there's websites that you can go buy sermons from. I said, what? You can go buy sermons now. <laughs> no. Got to get our own revelation. But I, I sit there with a blank spot, and I'm like, God, and I ask the questions to the Lord. Lord, how are we being effective in our evangelism? What is missing in the church? Why are the churches all across the nation, why are they still empty? Now, we have mega churches that have had five, six hundred, eight hundred people that only have 150 people coming now. And everybody's watching online. Look at the, our group here. We got a small group. Praise God that you're here. But man, all of those that are not here, where are you? You should be here. There's no reason why you're not. We need to gather. The ecclesia gathers. The church gathers. There's we, we. Do they know that side of you, the people of this world? So I ask a question to you today, and I don't want you to answer it out loud, but I'll ask you, what does your evangelism look like today? You personally. What does it look like for you? Because I, I'm... Now, mind you, listen, because I look a certain direction, I'm not speaking to you. I'm looking at the room. Okay, let's just get that clear. The camera, I'm looking at everybody in the camera. Because I don't know who's watching. But what does our evangelism look like today? Because we do really good at church. We're super spiritual. But as soon as we leave the building... We're like just 
just there. Are you seeing people encounter the love of Jesus in your everyday walk? These are questions that I ask the Lord for myself. So when I'm up here talking, I'm saying, listen, this is my own evaluation. Am I seeing people encountering the love of God everywhere I go? Because if I'm not, I'm asking, well, why not, God? Are we just good Christians? Oh, man. Are we doing? Here's one. Are we doing what Jesus commands us to do daily? Are we getting people set free? Or are they experiencing condemnation? By the words that are coming out of our mouth and our evangelism. So, why is evangelism expected? We're going to turn to Matthew 28. Those that are taking your notes, Matthew 28, and we're going to start in verse 19. Verse 19 to 20, and it says, Peace be unto you as my Father has sent me. Even so, right here, I send you. These commands, listen, this command right here wasn't just given to the apostles. It was given to every single believer that the Lord is saying, Even though the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. Okay, now we might ask, send me to do what, God? What what am I being sent for? To go and make disciples of the nation. To go and preach the gospel. To go and preach the good news. Come on now. Okay, Jesus. Not to give your opinions Not to give you what you think that God is thinking, but to share the gospel and the good news. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and through 13, it says this. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the working of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to be a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God sent you and I to do the work. See, everybody in this room is a, is a leader destined to lead. That's the difference. Listen, this, as a five-fold ministry, every one of you in this place is a leader destined to lead. Instead of a one-man show, I see pa- pastors, I see prophets, I see apostles, I see teachers in this room. And the Lord is only waiting for us to align ourselves with heaven's reality of what God is speaking and declaring over us right now. John 21, we're going to start in verse 1. I thought this was pretty awesome. Later, Jesus appeared once again to the group, to his disciples by Lake Galilee. It happened one day while Peter and Thomas, the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and in Galilee, Jacob, John, and two other disciples were all together. Peter told them, I'm going fishing. They all replied. And they said, we'll go with you. So they all went out and they fished through the night, but they caught nothing. Then at dawn, Jesus was standing there on the shore, 
But the disciples didn't realize that it was him. And he called out to them saying, hey guys, did you catch any fish? And they replied, not a thing. And Jesus shouted to them, well, throw your net on the starboard side. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. Over the starboard side, and you'll catch some. And so they did. And as they caught so many fish, that they caught so many fish that they couldn't even pull up the net. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It's the Lord! When Peter heard him say that, he quickly wrapped his outer, his outer garments around him. And because he was athletic, he dove right into the lake to go to Jesus. I thought that was really awesome. I, I think uh, this just messes me up. There's something about us being so in love with the Father and having, having such a hunger and a desire to be in relationship with the Lord. I'm going to go for it. Says that, it says that he wrapped his, he heard it was him, and he quickly began to wrap his garments around him. So whatever he had, he began to wrap it around him. And this is because he was athletic. He dove into the lake to go to Jesus. The other disciples then brought the boat to shore, dragging the catch of their fish. It says that they were 100 meters away, about 100 meters away, which is roughly about a little bit longer than a football field. So Peter jumped off the boat. You know how deep that water was? That water was? I don't know. About a... About a about a football and a half field out into the lake, he jumped into the water so he could get to be with Jesus. And he swam there because there was such an anticipation to be with Jesus. That the excitement that he had, the love that he had, that he couldn't wait to be there. He could have waited. Hey, guys, let's get in the boat. Come on, let's go. Hurry up. Hurry up. Let's go. Paddle faster, right? No, but he jumped in there because he couldn't get there fast enough. They weren't far from land, only about 100 meters. And when they got to shore, they noticed a charcoal fire with some roasted fish and bread. Then Jesus said, bring some of the fish that you just caught. So Peter waded into the water, and he helped pull off the net to shore. It was full of many large fish, exactly 153. But even with so many fish, the net was not torn. Come, let's have some breakfast, Jesus said to them. And not one disciple needed to ask who it was because every one of them knew that it was the Lord. Then Jesus came close to them and served them the bread and the fish. And it was the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection. After they had breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me more than these? Peter answered, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. He said, well, then take care of my lambs. Jesus said, Jesus repeated the question the second time. Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me? Peter answered, yes, my Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Then Jesus asked him again, Peter, son of John, do you have great affection for me? And Peter was sad because he had been asked a third time. And he said, my Lord, you know everything. You know that I burn with love for you. Jesus replied, then feed my sheep. Peter, listen, when you were younger, you made your own choices and you went where you pleased. But one day 
when you are old, others will tie you up and escort you where you would not choose to go. And you will spread out your arms. See, there's something about the harvest that the Lord's really trying to get a point here. And the value. And then we might say, well, I'm not an evangelist. I've heard that a lot. Well, you know, that's just not what I do. I, I don't do that. I, I can't do what you do. I've heard that a lot. I can't do what you do. It's a bunch of malarkey. Second Timothy 4, 5 says, But you be watchful in all things and endure affliction, afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Every one of us are able to be an evangelist. It's what we choose to do. It's not what I do. Well, guess what? You're never going to do it because of the words that you're speaking. For example, the apostle of the time of Jesus, they're not going to come to the nation right now. They'll never go to your house. They'll never go to your neighborhood because Jesus wants you and I to go. So the question I'm going to ask you all this morning is this. Are we obeying God? Because, see, we, like I said, on Sundays we get really religious sometimes and we do churchy stuff. Are we obeying God? Are we being disobedient to God? You know, Matthew 28 says something. It says, go and make disciples, right? And all nations are baptized. Let's go to Matthew 28, 19. Are we obeying God? Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded of you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Then in Mark 16, verses 15 and 17, says this. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news. Come on, preach the good news. To everyone. Anyone who is, believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe, and they will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. Listen, we are called to be evangelists. We are called to go into the highways and the byways to be a voice for a generation to see people set free. That means that we, we can't be so locked into the four walls. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you don't go to your place of fellowship. But what I'm saying is, is your evangelism being effective? Are we doing what God has called us to do? Are we practicing what we so-called believe on Sundays? Come on, we do really good. Listen. Some of us may be called to be a Facebook evangelist, and I'm not knocking that. Why are we so bold on Facebook? Some of us are more bold about Trump than we are about the gospel. Come on. Hey, listen, if the shoe fits, wear it. If it doesn't, then don't even worry about those shoes. But you'll go on Facebook and you'll talk about political stuff. Oh, but you can't go down the block and pray for those that need to. No, come on. Let's be real. Just with these two scriptures alone, we can see the importance of the commissioning. These are considered to be the commandments of Jesus. He is asking us to go into the world. He is asking you to go into Walmart. He's asking to go into the auto zone. He's asking you to go into Four Seasons. He's asking you to go into Bryan, Defiance, Wauseon, to Ohio, to Indiana, Pennsylvania, Michigan. He's telling you to go and preach the good news. 
So we ask the question, am I being disobedient? Am I in disobedience? Again, that's a question between you and the Lord. It is obvious that most Christians that we are to evangelize But we often find ourselves walking in disobedience because we feel we're not qualified. And I'm going to tell you what, that is a lie of the enemy. Did you know that that's why a lot of us won't step out to evangelize because we feel that we are not equipped. We feel that we, we can't do it the way a certain person does it. The Lord doesn't want you to do it like another person. He wants you to do it like you. He just wants you to be his willing vessel. I'm not going to do it like Sister Carol. She's not going to do it like me. But we all have a piece of this puzzle. But we also have a guideline. And what is a guideline? It's his love. We are all leaders in the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors of the kingdom here. God's not looking for knowledge or how we feel. He only wants our yes. That's all he wants from us. You know that? He just wants our simple yes. He wants us to be a willing vessel that we can be used to impact a generation. Come on, listen. There is such a bigger picture here. That take, uh, that, listen, the churches should be filled, overflowing with people. And it's not about just, listen, it's not about bringing them into the house. That's not what I'm talking about. But we should be filled in this nation. There should be no rooms. But if we're not evangelizing, how will they know? How, okay. When's the last time you online? Have invited someone to come to church with you? When's the last time you have witnessed to somebody the love of God that they were so impacted and touched that they just wanted to know where do you attend church? That's the difference. Because I, I know I, I've had people evangelize me in my younger days and like I didn't want to know where they went. I'm like wherever you go, I want to stay far away from. But the love of God will lead a man to repentance. So that we should be encountering people. And they're like, man, where are you going? Because I've never met anybody like you in my life. There's a difference. And that's the whole kingdom realm. The, 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 the lenses that we use to see that we speak differently. We talk differently. We prophesy differently. Because we're no longer doing it for our soulish realm. But we're pulling on the, on the reality of the kingdom of who God says that person is. We get an opportunity. Did you, did you know that there's people that will come and visit? And he, I've asked the Lord that if there's ever a visitor, that he would allow us an opportunity to speak into their life. Because in my heart, and I feel like I said, Lord, they may only have one opportunity to know that you love them. And if the Lord allowed them that one opportunity to visit, then we're going to do everything we can with the leading of the Spirit of the Lord to make sure they know how valuable they are. We want to impact the generation. So now you might ask a question. I don't know how. And if that's an, if that's an honest question, that's, that's, that is an honest question. But if that's where you're at, come and talk to us. I want to sit with you. I want to help you on this journey. I don't know what to say. I, 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 I say, I can, if they're talking, I can go and I can talk kind of, but it feels so awkward. I don't know how to, 
I don't know how to get to that point of like. And then when I'm there, it feels so weird. Man, listen, we got these, these kids that ride these little, white, little bikes and got the white shirts, you know. They come and they knock on your door and they're fearless. You, and, and what do we do? We, we hide from them. And they're fearless. And guess what? We carry the truth. They're out there spreading lies and, and cultism, and we are carriers of the truth, and we don't do nothing with the cult. Like, that should be something that's inside of us. Trust in God. That's, what I, that's one of my answers. I don't know what to say. Well, trust in God, and he will fill our mouth. He will put the living rivers to flow out of you. And he will bring life to everyone who hears what you speak. Let me tell you, evangelist. And well, I'm not an evangelist. Well, you're all called to evangelize. If you think you sound silly ministering, it's not you ministering. It's the Holy Spirit in you that will flow out of you. They, you can say, in your own ears. But to the person that's hungry, all they're hearing is spirit and life, victory and truth. And you're chipping off those areas of, of condemnation. And before you know it, they're like, man, will you pray for me? And you're like, man, I didn't even do nothing. I, you're right, you didn't. Jesus did it. Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. God will fill our mouth, and then he will fill us with boldness. So I'm going to ask you guys another question. <laughs> Don't worry about that. What does the Bible say about boldness? Boldness is the courage to act or speak fearlessly despite real or imagined dangers. When a person acts boldly, he or she will take actions regardless of the risk. Think about this. You have a mama, and they have a child, and there's a bear. A mom will go and jump in front of that bear to protect her child so her child will be saved. That is the boldness that comes out of you. You will take action regardless of the risk. Regardless. Boldness is not to be confused with rashness or aggressiveness. It is, however, similar to being assertive in that it empowers someone to do or speak what is necessary in spite of the possibility of negative outcome. Sometimes we have to speak things. Hmm. So, we've been talking about the, the unseen realms. We've been talking about the glory. I'm just going to be transparent again. Here we go. There's got to be a boldness that comes out of us when we begin to speak about the supernatural. When we begin to speak about the supernatural, we begin to talk. Listen, when you start talking about raising the dead, <laughs> it's in the Bible. It's in the, it's in the Word. But there's many believers that don't believe that portion of the Word. So it, it, it requires a boldness for us to begin to stand and, and stand for truth and what the Word declares. There's a boldness that the Lord is wanting us to release. 
Boldness was one of the first characteristics of the Holy Spirit imparted when it came to the indwelling of the believers when Jesus ascended into heaven. The, the followers of Jesus had been hiding in fear of the Jewish authorities, praying and encouraging one another. Then the Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts 2, right? And those that were formerly terrified disciples, they all became fearless preachers. The boldness of God will transition you to becoming the fearless one. The bold ones. Acts 2 says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Let me ask, is, that what it would, is that what it takes for us now? How many of us would be sitting in that upper room? And experience this type of encounter. How many of us would, would, would still be the same way afterwards? Would we like they get in their they get in their cars and their trucks after that? Can you imagine? Like, think about it, right? <laughs> they just had this powerful encounter, the Holy Spirit comes. After it was all said and done, they go, Oh, we gotta go now. And they get in their little Carriages, whatever they carry. God, and their horses, their camels. And there's God, they're, well, got to go home. Yep, got to, oh, the well broke. Man, I need some water. Oh, the wife. Do you think they reverted back? No, they didn't. They moved in power. There's no difference from us today. I, I can just speak just for this house. We've seen miracles. We've seen signs and wonders. We've seen notable creative things happen. And then we leave the service and we, we leave it all in the building. And it says, and they filled the whole house and they were sitting. Then appeared to them divided, uh, to them divided tongues as as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak other tongues and the Spirit, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And right after that, short time after that, the disciples faced persecution from the authorities and they prayed for boldness. Acts 4.29 Acts 4.29 says, Now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servant servants that with all boldness they may speak the word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through your name of your holy servant Jesus. And they had prayed the place where they were assembled together was sh oh, I'm sorry, I want to read this again. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they, be and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They gathered. Can you imagine what that would look like today? We come in and the whole place would shake. Their prayers were answered, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, God will give us the boldness when our objective is to obey and to glorify him. We're talking about evangelism. Going out. Spiritual boldness can appear to be opinionated or extroverted when the fact is a bold person may feel Great fear. Listen, there's times the Lord will ask me to whether I'm ministering, if I'm going to speak to somebody at a restaurant, wherever I go. There's always that, oh, Lord, 
I'm going to be honest. I don't, sometimes I just don't feel like doing it. Am I the only one that feels like that? I just go sometimes. I just, Lord, I just want to have my hamburger, Lord. Lord, I'm just here to pick up some groceries for the house. Right? For my farmers. I'm just here to pick up some chicken feet. <laughs> right? And sometimes we just feel like we, you know. But those are the times the Lord wants us to be intentional. He wants us to be intentional. Boldness comes from the Holy Spirit who compels a person to speak the truth in love, even when it may not be welcomed. Spiritual boldness pursues the truth. It works to destroy lies and errors. It speaks what is right regardless of how terrifying such action may be. Come on. As followers of Christ, we should pray as Paul did. Paul did what the Lord will grant us, supernatural boldness to speak and live as he did, as he would have us to do. Let's read, uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13. Because see, in the age that we live in right now, there's great deception, resistance to truth. And right now, we need boldness more than anything. Now listen, let's not mistake boldness with opinion. Sometimes we will put and we'll say things like, well, I'm just telling you the truth. That, believe it or not, that's some of our evangelism sometimes. Well, I got to tell you the truth because I love you. Oh. Hey, if you want to burn in hell, burn. That's not the Father's heart. That's not the love of God. Boldness coupled with love and humanity. Humility. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth and bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. But whatever there is, where there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Matthew 5.14 says, You are the light of this world. A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. When we are convinced, listen, when we are convinced that our message is life-giving and eternal, we can speak the truth, we can speak boldness, knowing that God will use it to impact the world. When you know you have a, when you know you know that you carry the, the goods, the truth, you want to tell everybody about it. Come on, we all had that friend when we were growing up that was selling those knives. You remember those knives? They were like supposed to be made out of the best steel and you can shine it and you could. And they were like $200 for a pack of four. And they told everybody in their family about these knives. And they were the best salesmen. Why? Because they believed in their product. Jesus is the real deal. Why are we not talking about him? Why are we not introducing him to everybody that we meet? 
Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about a man that can save you. Let me tell you about, about, about the one that has changed my life radically. Let me tell you about the one that, that set me free. I was lost, but now I'm found. Let me tell you about the love, the love of my life. Come on. That, that, because when you're passionate about something, you'll, you'll talk about it. I love my wife. I think she's amazing. I think she's beautiful. And I'll tell everybody about my wife because I love her. And we should all do that about our wives and husbands. When we believe in somebody or something, we will talk about it. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven... And do not return there, but the water of the earth, and make it bring forth the bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, and it shall not return to me void. But it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You can put your confidence in that. His word will not come back void. Well, how do I do it? How do I speak? How do I? You, when you know that there's what you say has authority. <laughs> I hope y'all are understanding. I, I hope, I, I want y'all to get this. Y'all, y'all looking at me like I'm, wah, wah. but it's the compassion of the Lord for the people and humanity that gives us the boldness to speak truth and love. That our hearts will hurt knowing that people could possibly perish. That's huge, guys. Listen. That somebody could possibly perish it's like being in in, in in a third world nation where there's a water drought and you've got a gallon of water and there's dying thirsty kids there with their bellies bloated just waiting for just a drop and we've got gallons of water and we're just there. and then we got the bottle oh let me get another one We've got the thing that they need. When our heart hurts knowing that people will possibly perish, that's the compassion, the love we need to have for humanity. Our first instinct, when you see the guy holding the sign, work for food, our first instinct shouldn't be, dude, get a job. We should be, Lord, whatever happened to this man, I pray for restoration. And if the Lord leads you to sow, you sow. But if our first thought is something different, then our evangelism's off. We're only good on Sundays, right? God's love for them is so deep and it's so wide that he would have you and I there in that moment to be a voice to speak life into them. Oh, I met this guy or I met this person. Yeah, they were just having a hard time. Well, did you pray for him? Well, no. Why not? Did you tell him about Jesus? Well, no, we were talking. Well, why didn't you tell him? God divinely appointed that one moment for you to be a voice. And why do we take it for granted? God wants you and I to be the vessel. And here we are. I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God, brother. He made a divine appointment that we would speak life into them. 
He could have chose anyone else to be there at that moment. But he selected you. He selected you to be there with them at that moment to tell them the good news of Jesus. That's the honor that God bestows upon you and I. That it's so deep that our natural minds can't comprehend. So our natural minds think, oh, yeah, well, I just met somebody. And the Lord and the Spirit are like, oh, no, you're there for a divine appointment. Let me tell you how I see them. Prophesy life. Speak to the dry bones. All right? The Lord wants us to pull from the unseen realm, which is heaven's reality, and he wants us to speak it to bring it over to the lost and broken so they can know their value and know how much God loves them. That he would send us to be the city on the hill. In Ephesians, when Apostle Paul was in prison, he writes to the churches asking for prayer that he would be bold in continuing to proclaim the gospel. He's in prison! Hey, guys, can you please pray for me? For what? The boldness would be upon me that I can continue preaching the gospel. Most of us would be like, hey, guys, can you pray for me? Man, it's hot in here, and I just need to get out of here. Like, get me out of here. I need, I need to break you. Pray that the Lord just get me. Set me free. <laughs> right? But not him. He was praying, Lord, give me, give me more boldness. Um, Paul was even asking for the boldness to share the mysteries of the gospel. He knew that the people would not be able to understand the depth of the revelation that he had to share. That people would reject it. So he was, he was asking for the boldness to even be able to stand to share the mysteries of God. Because he knew that the revelation that he was carrying, people would reject it. That's where we're at right now. In this day and age... We can talk about <laughs> levitating. Well, that's demonic. How does that happen in the Bible? We talk about talking to the cloud of witnesses. Well, how does that happen? It's in the Bible. They're spirit. They're not dead. They're spirit. But we have a hard time understanding the mysteries of God. So even in that, we need to ask for boldness and even speaking forth the revelation of the mysteries because even the church will reject it. There has to be a boldness when it comes to the prophetic ministry and speaking the deep revelations of God. In the time we live in, we see a generation of people who stand for unrighteousness and their beliefs. We have atheism. We have unbelief. We have so, uh, homosexuality, doctrinal error. And God is calling you and I to be the bold ones who will stand boldly to proclaim the kingdom of God. I'm going to start closing this up here. Jesus. See, this morning I had nothing, but now it's like, wait a minute, Jesus. I got a whole lot we got to get into. Isaiah 55.10 speaks about the boldness. <clears throat> I remember there was a time when I was in Las Vegas. They call it Las Vegas Sin City, right? Isn't that funny? The Lord says, I want you to stand in the middle of Las Vegas and stand up on the table and declare the kingdom of God is at hand. So I'm sitting there in the middle of Las Vegas and the Mirage hotels and all these hotels. And I'm standing there in this big old court, thousands of people. And I just began, I just said, the kingdom of God is at hand. We started praying for people on the street. People, That's a boldness that the Lord wants us to step into. I'm in India. 
first one of the one of the things they asked me was like, well, whatever you do, don't pray in tongues, don't do any of those things because they think you're crazy and they'll stone you to death. I'm like, what? You mean they stone you? Yeah, they stone you. I said, man, I thought that was only the time of the Bible. I didn't know they still stoned people. So the first thing I do, I get to we get to a place where we're staying, and they have Hindu people everywhere. They got, I mean, their 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 gods are brethren. And I go and I begin to I meet the person that 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 that's taking us to the the place where we're going to be staying in this hotel room in the middle of nowhere. And in the, in each room, they have all the pictures of the gods. So even in the hotel rooms, they got the pictures of their gods. They got like thirteen heads and in our rooms. And nothing you can do about it. It's part of the furniture. And then the guy that's doing the baggages and all this stuff, the Lord says, I want you to speak to this man and tell him who I am. So I go and I speak to this man. I begin to prophesy. Had one of the interpreters there. And I prophesy a word to the guy who was working the front desk. And the Lord began to show me his life, how he, was, he had a desk that was sitting at his home. And he had easels. And there was, there was drawings that he had been doing. And he had mm, notepads of, of drawings and art that, that he had been wanting to show people, but he didn't have a way. And the Lord began to speak to me about it, and I told him about it. The power of God comes and falls upon this guy. He got saved right there. That was the first thing I did when I got to India. But the boldness of the kingdom has to come out of us. What if I would have just said, somebody else will do it. We have divine appointments that the Lord will set upon us. We keep asking the Lord for more. Why is he going to give you more when you haven't even done nothing with what he's given us? I want to do this for the kingdom. I want to do that for the kingdom. Okay, well, I need you to lay yourself down. And, oh, no, I can't. No, not that. No, no. Well, one day I'm going to do it. Why not now? Hebrews 13, 6 says that the righteous are bold because they know what God has done for them. So we may be boldly. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. The Lord is my helper. Take that in our evangelism. He's there to help us. What are we afraid of? That they reject us? Man, we see the martyrs. We see Stephen being stoned. We see the people that are being crucified. We saw all, they were persecuted for the gospel. And we don't want to evangelize because they, oh, they might not like what I have to say. Who cares? If it's done in love, it's all good. Jesus. Well, I'm going to close with this. Let's turn to Acts 5. I'm going to turn to Acts 5, verse 12. Sorry, verse 12. The apostles were performing many miracles signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all people had high regard for them, yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women as the result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as they went back. Crowds came from villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and their possessed by evil spirits, and all were healed. When our evangelism becomes effective, you will see the places come and people will send, just like what we see right here, as a result of the work, sick people were brought into the streets on beds. And Come on, I'm still believing this is the, hot, this is the ambulance ramp. 
We need to believe that. But it's going to take the evangelist. It's going to take those doing the work of the evangelist to gather the people. It says, and when that happened, the crowds came from villages around Jerusalem. The crowds came from Michigan. The crowds came from Indiana. The crowds came from Pennsylvania, Kentucky, because of what God was doing in a place. And how did they know? Because the disciples went out, the apostles went out, and they did the work of the evangelist. Let's stand. I made it short for us today <laughs> because there's a whole lot more we could have got into. And, and I don't want you to feel that this message felt like it came across harsh because that wasn't my heart. But I want you to know, and I'm trying to express the importance of what we carry, what you carry, and how valuable you are into the kingdom. That every one of us is a piece to this puzzle that the Lord has for us in this season. We want to see a move of God happen. We want to see a great mighty wave, a revival hit this nation. It's going to start with you and I. How can we expect the churches to be filled if we don't want to live by an example? How can we expect people to know the love of God when our ministry and our evangelism is condemnation and anger and bitterness? How do we expect people to be broken from strongholds and addictions when we don't want to break our own strongholds and addictions? How do we expect people's marriages to be restored if we're not willing to even forgive our wife or our spouses? Everything needs to shift and we're, we're, we're in this shifting, you know, listen, we've been talking about the holy shift and even the ground shifting and the, and the doors are shifting. Everything is shifting. And I believe that's true. We are in a season right now where the Lord is wanting us to see how he sees. We just did the awakening. The awakening is what awakening to the reality of who Jesus is inside of us. He is real. It is truth. All of heaven is waiting for us to align ourselves. But are we content just being Sunday believers? Listen, we say those things, but let's not be so loose saying that we don't believe it. That we would say those things and we would have a reverence for it. Say, God, here I am, God. If there's anything inside of me, God, that you would, you would strip that away from me, God. That's my prayer. Lord, teach me. And I ask the Lord when I go into places, and I, I, I challenge you. Ask the Lord. Lord, give me an opportunity to love on someone today. Watch what he does. You're qualified. You are not disqualified. You are qualified. Nobody will ever disqualify you from the love of God and to talk about the good news. But let there be an evaluation in our own selves, in our own lives, in our own walk. Whatever we need to fix inside of us, let's get that right. Because it's a dying generation waiting for you and I. Father, I thank you, Lord. And I just say, Lord, let there be an awakening, God. Lord, that you would even call forth the evangelist at this hour, Jesus. That we would all do the work of the evangelist, God. And I speak, God, right now for the boldness of heaven to come upon us, Jesus. That there would be no fear, God, 
I ask for the radical faith, God, to come upon us right now, Jesus. Let it rest upon us in the name of Jesus. We break fear of the unknown. We break fear of man. We break fear of knowledge. Lord, let us just have an encounter with you. Let people see you through us. You would fill our mouths. You would give us the words to speak. And I just declare the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost would go with us all through our days. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you guys.